Let's take a deeper dive into the role of shame in pornography addiction today. Really, we want to study shame itself and understand it better. Even if you're not dealing with an addiction, shame is a nearly universal struggle. So I think there'll be something for everyone in today's episode. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have an illuminating episode for you this week. This is episode number 246. Today, we're going to be talking about the role of shame in pornography addiction. Hey there. But before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed how to set boundaries in a kind way in your marriage or even with parents or in-laws. It's worth going back and checking out. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. But Caleb, before we get started for real started, Mm -hmm. speaking of upcoming, we have the cruise coming up. Mm-hmm. And so in the previous episodes, we've talked, I think, about sessions one and two and then three and four. So yep. today, I think, is session five. So session five is about power and cooperation. And uh, that's an undercurrent in every marriage. And we give you a chance to explore that in a safe, open, collaborative way as a couple. So you can really take a step back and look at how you solve problems together and then find better ways to do so. Or even go back and solve problems you've been stuck on for a long time. And again, like this all happens in a friendly, cooperative mm-hmm. way. We don't see conflict coming out of this session, just a lot of improved cooperation with one another. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cooperation, that's uh, an undercurrent in every marriage. And we give you a chance to explore that in a safe, open, collaborative way as a couple. So you can really take a step back and look at how you solve problems together, find better ways to solve them. And even uh, with that, go back and solve maybe problems that you've been stuck on for a long time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it all, it, like I said, all happens in a friendly, cooperative way. So we don't see conflict coming out of this session, just a lot of improved cooperation with one another. Yeah. How to have those conversations. Yeah. And then session six is yeah. like consistently one of the favorite sessions, if not the all round most favorite. Yeah. Yeah. What is that one? Well, every couple has a cycle that they get into a pattern that comes up when they're Mm -hmm. in conflict and we help you figure that out, identify that, and then how to step out of that and do things differently, right? Mm -hmm. There's like so many, aha, or, oh, I get it kind of light bulb moments. Yeah. People kind of see themselves on paper. It's funny. Yeah. But every couple has conflict. It's part of good marriages and troubled ones. But what matters is how you handle that conflict. And in this session, we really help people shift that. And like you said, it's often a total light bulb session. So even though it's about conflict, it's something that we see couples figuring out again in a, in a positive sort of like, they're kind of, they get excited about figuring out what they're doing, right? Yeah. It's kind of funny. Yeah. And so while those two sessions do have to deal with conflict, we want to underscore that our cruise is not for highly distressed marriages, really. Counseling is great for that. And maybe you could consider coming on a cruise later on for sure. I think sometimes folks are wary of coming because they'll think to be with all these super distraught couples whose marriages are on the rocks. And that's what our counseling is for. The cruise though is for couples who are, you know, I'd say anywhere from somewhat happy to mostly happy to very happy with their marriages. Right. right. It's not like everybody's over the top. Oh, everything's so wonderful. 
Yep. And they're just looking to tune things up or keep them tuned up. You know, even couples in this end of the spectrum, they need help with power and cooperation and conflict because they have mm-hmm. their moments too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So do we, believe it or not. So that's our cruise. It's February 15, 2020. Uh, Verlinda is our travel coordinator. She is a travel agent. You can learn more about it at christianmarriagecruise.com. Mm-hmm. So just a little plug here. Like there's only two concierge rooms left, I think. On the whole ship or in our group? In our group. Okay. Yeah. So there's still veranda rooms and inside state rooms, but they're they're selling. So so the better rooms are going, and there's some sweet deals on right now. You were saying like yeah, even the month of than, August, better yeah. than what we have on our uh, on the website. Yeah, so, so reach out, get in touch. We'd love to have you aboard. Get you the some great pricing. Okay, back to our topic, how shame perpetuates pornography addiction. As always, if you are struggling with your marriage and with this in your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice. And most of all, we offer hope. We've helped a lot of people recover from pornography addiction, helped a lot of marriages repair from this as well. But we need to talk about how shame is part of it. Okay. Now, to be fair, the challenge a little bit with today was that there's very little specific research on this particular kind of combination, although there's a lot of anecdotal knowledge among counselors who work in this area. Yeah, yeah. Uh, about that around that connection between pornography and shame, but we really kind of looked at shame a lot too, and we're just sort of bringing that over. So let's jump in. So we're looking more at shame from the research, and then you're putting it together with the pornography. Yep. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Okay. So what is the link here? Well, there is one link that is has both that uh, is quite early on by Patrick Carnes. He's kind of the grandfather of the sexual addiction treatment movement, and in his 1989 book Contrary to Love, he identifies shame and guilt as something that fuels the problem of despair in addiction. And to find relief from the the despair, the addict moves through a cycle of preoccupation with acting out and then has a ritual that they get into of moving towards the addictive acting out behavior. Mm-hmm. And then they actually act out or the sexual compulsivity happens, which results in more despair fueled by further shame and guilt. So it really kind of becomes a cycle. And then they try and find relief from that shame yeah. and then it starts the cycle again. Okay. So basically the idea is you get away from the despair by acting out. You get a few moments of relief or numbing or distraction or pleasure or something, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then it end up, ends up creating more despair. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And from my clinical experience, whatever you or whenever you relate this cycle to those who are in recovery from pornography or from sex addiction, they relate to it very readily. Like yeah. they can see how it, understand it really perpetuates it. Okay. So having said that, let's um let's kind of pull what we can out of the research and we're gonna look at causes of pornography addiction or, or root issues. And when we do this, it's important to remember that we're not searching for excuses. But we're looking for information about the source of the addiction or what contributes to it so we can be targeted and precise about where healing needs to happen in order to break the grip of the addiction. Okay. So we need to talk about shame buried out of sight. And well, not all people, but many people who struggle with pornography often have some early form of relationship trauma. Sometimes, you know, in the severe end, sexual abuse, Mm -hmm. even Uh, sometimes things like disregard from parents sometimes physical, verbal, or mental abuse, or some combination of these kinds of childhood disturbances, if you will. And a common feature of this kind of trauma or this disruption during the child's development is that these problems are minimized or they're ignored or they're not even acknowledged when they happen. Yeah, And that means that some part of the person's childhood experience is denied. It's not validated by saying that it happened. It's not repaired. And that has the effect of really kind of almost like preserving the pain, even severe. Yeah. And tucking it out of sight, right? So in that way, it can become a hidden motive for the addiction or a driver, maybe I would say be a better word for the addiction later on. Okay. So then it's possible that porn can begin to serve as an outlet for those repressed emotions or those wounds, or even for unrequited yearnings, like just to have a mother figure, for example, or some kind of a father figure who's available and, and really wants to be with you, right? And, and those things are not recognized. They maybe were not allowed. 
maybe they just even weren't embraced in the person's early relationships. And and then unfortunately, porn can become an easy outlet or some sort of bomb or kind of solve for those those wounds in the sense that, you know, it offers the appeal to fix that or to try to fill that. Okay. Right? Yeah. So for example, if you were, what's that? But it never does heal those wounds. No, but it may appease or may distract or may numb okay. you from them. Okay. Okay. So for example, if you were, if you never were validated by your mother, you may find a very validating expression of, you know, in the approach of many female porn stars. So one thing that mothers need to provide for their children is the validation of who they are and what they do. Look, mommy, I jumped off the couch. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Good job, Johnny. Mm -hmm. Right. So if, if Johnny never gets that, if she's like, whatever, then the demeanor and the appeal of the porn star and the way that they present themselves is that they offer validation to the viewer that they're wanted, they're appreciated. Okay. Again, it's not real, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's offering a, a pseudo validation. It's not a genuine. Okay. And so the validation doesn't work because it's not real, but the imitation is close enough that subconsciously it's going to hit the reward circuits that keep you trying to get that need met. So you'll keep doing it because yep. it's close enough, even it's though it doesn't enough. actually heal yep. any wounds. Yep, exactly. So it's a lie. Well, it's a lie and it won't work to heal the wound of the validation that you missed. That's not how you repair that deficiency or what you missed there. Yeah. I think it really bothered me the way you talked about this because it made it sound like like how wonderful these porn stars are. Okay. No. What I mean there is, or what, what I, how I should have done that is more like the, it's the idealization, the idealized projection of the porn star. Okay. That you think they're validating you. Yeah. Or... But no, how do I describe it? Idealized, I mean, not real. Okay. Like they don't actually care about you. No, right? exactly. But that's what I'm saying is it's idealized. It's presenting a sugar-coated kind of overstated version of something that okay. you missed. So yeah, they're not doing a great job. They're faking a sort of candied version that is really not going to leave you satisfied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now, again, not all pornography users have such deep wounds. Some come from relatively healthy families. They've just gotten hooked through curiosity, stayed hooked through the reward circuitry of the brain. Generally, when they come to me on that end of the spectrum, they may unhook very quickly, but I still see the shame and guilt. Okay. And then I also should say that not everyone who has these kinds of wounds turns to pornography. And not everyone who turns to porn with these kinds of wounds gets addicted to the same degree. So there's mm, there's a yeah. lot of variation here. Yeah. We're, we're generalizing, but I just want to speak about common patterns, right? Okay. And so a lot of this comes back to shame. Now, there was a study in 2015 uh, where a couple of researchers looked very closely at shame. And they pointed out that shame is a self-directed negative view of yourself. So it's an inward, it's mm-hmm. pointed towards yourself, it's negative. Okay. And it tends to create self-loathing. And also it really, most of the time, will lack any any self-compassion. Okay. It creates anxiety. It creates emotional distress. And note this especially, it creates a desire for mood regulation to get your, your sort of feelings back to a, a secure or stable state. Okay. So shame has this part that creates a desire to feel better, to not feel shameful. Right. Okay. okay? Yes, makes that's sense. That's basically what that's saying. Okay. So that many individuals who are bearing a burden of shame may choose a pill or a drink or a drug or a behavior or a sexual act as a way of coping with that emotional distress. Okay. And it will, you know, air quotes, help them regulate their mood back to a stable state. For the short term. Yes. But then it puts them into that cycle of shame fueling yeah. the... But then because they've done that, you know... They self-loathe and all oh, the other okay. shame flags. Okay. So the, the cycle definitely kicks in, but the shame works. Air quotes around works, right? Like kind of. Kind, yeah. 
in the short term. Short term. Yeah. And, you know, a lot, that's another way to look at it too. I'm glad you brought that out because a lot of addiction is just about the short term reward versus the long term gain. You're making Mm -hmm. that choice and you're always choosing short term. Yeah. Yeah. Now, researchers have noted that shame can fuel the addicted cycle, of course. It perpetuates the use of negative behaviors despite their consequences. So while the addictive behavior is an attempt to kind of calm or ameliorate the shame, the shame perpetuates the addiction. Yes, yes. I think I just sort of restated what we already said, which is it's not going to work. A secular study in 2008 found that 50% of boys and 32% of girls experience guilt or shame after engaging in pornography use. Okay. But a study by Reed et al. in 2016 pointed out that men who were more religious reported more negative than positive effects of pornography, which I would hope they would report. But I just don't get that. Like, if something gives you more negative than positive effects, why do it? Usually folks in this situation don't feel like they have a choice. It's part of the addiction. Oh, okay. So again, here, like just observing from this study, they reported more negative than positive effects. And this didn't necessarily reduce their frequency of use, but they had more conflicting emotions as they struggled to reconcile their behaviors with their beliefs. So they may have had more shame and more self-loathing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's, that's why it's tricky to untangle all this stuff, right? Now, again, we have a bonus worksheet for our supporters on Patreon. This exercise for this episode is really a cognitive behavioral approach to shame. If you feel like shame is something that you're facing, I'll help you dissect it, understand it a lot better, and understand the role that it's playing in your life. And you can get this by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. And we'll take a short 60-second break here to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive, and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about shame. Mm-hmm. And after the break, we're going to keep talking about shame. <laughs> so let's talk about how it works, though, babe. Okay. Shame causes a person in addiction to ruminate. Okay. Chew over the same stuff. Yep. And to feel stuck in both their thinking and in their actions. It can also mm-hmm. get in the way of healthy attachment, like forming uh, healthy bonds with other people. Because if you feel fundamentally unworthy or even worthless then you will sort of naturally hold yourself back from others. You don't feel worthy oh. of their care and attention. Yeah. And so that's, that isn't creates... Isn't that a cycle too, though? Well, it creates an intimacy dis- deficiency, really, right? And then you feel worse about yourself because yeah. you don't have the friends or no one's talking yeah. to you. or And it makes you more vulnerable to unhealthy attempts at intimacy, mm. which is what porn offers. Mm-hmm. While at the same time, making healthy intimacy very hard to do because you're carrying these dark secrets or what you feel are dark secrets, right? Mm-hmm. And people with shame don't want to be truly seen by a significant other. It's like no way a person wants you to, to have someone right. to see that, right? Because they, well, they, they might not love me if they knew all of this. Yeah. If you really see me, you won't find anything acceptable. You reject oh, me and that'll hurt even that, worse. So okay. I'm going to stay hidden. 
So shame pushes you away from what you really need and towards what you really don't need. Mm -hmm. That's why it's such a problem in addiction. Mm -hmm. Now, let's mix in some more difficulty here. If you mix that shame with like insecure attachment relationships, which is just the idea that that you maybe grew up in in a family where you weren't certain that the important caregiving figures in your life, like your parents, that they were you weren't certain that they were reliably or consistently available to you. Mm-hmm. If you add in on top of that, maybe some impaired impulse control, like you're just not good at saying no to that third cookie kind of thing. Impulse mm-hmm. control is about saying no to okay. when you feel the impulse to do something. Yeah. Maybe you add even a mood disorder in there, some of this stuff, and now you're really starting to create a recipe for sex addiction, which is another layer of like deeper okay. addiction, right? Yeah. In fact, uh, disorders such as post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, which find their roots in childhood trauma at times, not always, or in neglect or in sexual abuse, they make a person particularly vulnerable to sexual compulsivity. Okay. So you start to mix these things all together, the sexual compulsivity, the shame, and then if you pair those with the reduction of a negative stimulus, such as emotional distress, you you have a reinforcement cycle that fuels porn or sex addiction. Do you want me to put that in English? So- uh, well, I just don't understand. Like, I understand mixing the things together, the sexual compulsivity, the shame. But then if you reduce the negative stimulus, how is that going to fuel the Well, you get a moment cycle. of pleasure out of your porn use. Oh, that's what that means. Yep. Oh, I thought you meant like if you're in a healthier relationship. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you have this maelstrom of negative feelings, like this storm or this load yeah. of negative feelings, and you try acting out sexually, and it takes those feelings away for a bit and really gives you an ecstatic moment then you end up reinforcing that acting out behavior as a means of escape or relief from that emotional distress. Uh, See how that works? Yeah. So on top of that, one of the barriers to breaking the compulsive cycle that forms is shame itself. So not as, not only does shame get you in the cycle, but it also helps keep you in there. Again, add in some neurological deficits, like if there's incomplete or there's faulty brain wiring. I'm not saying you have brain damage, but just if if this has long been a standing pattern for you of these choices, right? right? That wiring there. And sometimes there that wiring can be instilled by, you know, not from the use of stuff, but from early childhood trauma. And you can find yourself very stuck in an addiction or very stuck in a sex addiction even. Hmm. It takes a hard work, right? So this is why if you found yourself you know, as you see it, unable to stop acting out sexually. Or if you have a lot of trouble breaking out of your porn addiction or your sex addiction, that's why you need to seek the help of therapists, uh, such as a certified sex addiction therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two of us in our practice. There's lots of them around the country now. They understand the links between shame and between early childhood challenges and porn and sex addiction. Mm-hmm. And that's not uncomplicated. It's complex, but it's also not impossible to get freedom from these addictions Mm -hmm. when you have the right kind of help and people that understand all the parts that are moving together to really keep you stuck. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot to it. It looked like you were going to say something there. Well, it's just, I don't know. I'm finding it really hard to, like, I don't want to add shame or dump shame on anybody, but you're making it sound like such a positive thing. What's positive? Pornography. No, like what? like you're going to have this porn star who, you know, will validate you and who cares and will give you the validation you never had. And then you're going to have this moment of ecstasy or whatever you call it, right? Like, so if it's that attractive, how are we not pushing people towards it? Because it creates all the shame as well. Like it, it adds to the shame. Okay. Like, is, is there any part of all that that that's not true? Well, I don't know. Right. Well, the answer is no. Okay. And the people in it know this, that it's fake. Like I say, it's it's hard to get the right words for it. Like it's sugar-coated or it's, you know, 
It's not the real thing. It's pseudo intimacy or it's... I guess what I'm saying is I wouldn't want someone listening to this podcast thinking like, okay, I'm struggling with my marriage. My wife isn't there for me. Oh, oh, that sounds attractive. I want to go try porn. Okay. Well, we're not trying to sell people on that. No, but that's what I'm saying. But it's me. Okay. I feel like you've made it sound so attractive. Like, why not? Okay. So what do you want to do differently? Um, I'm not sure. Like, say, don't do it. it. Like... If you're not in it, don't go there. That's good. Yeah, because it's not going to satisfy what you want it to satisfy. If you dabble in it, you know, and experiment because you've heard uh, about it, and then you become addicted. Like, there's no positive that can come out of it. Yeah. I think the people in it understand that too. And maybe okay. maybe for people that aren't in it, if you compare it to like the idea of, you know what, if you're not, if you, if you're like depressed, you know, drink alcohol every day, you'll feel better. And oh. it's like, yeah, you're going to feel better when you numb that off and you get a little giddy for a bit. But I mean, you're going to have a hangover and awful. disease and alcohol addiction and all that stuff, right? Okay. So it's again, yeah, maybe we can't deny the fact that there's some short-term reward. Okay. To it. But then that rather triggers than... dopamine circuits in the brain and that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. that's not a reason to do it. I mean, that's the expenses far outweigh the, the tiny short term. Okay. So what should we do instead? Seek treatment. So, like, there's healing. Yeah. There's hope. You don't have to numb and whatever. Like, you right. can actually find healing. Yes. And fulfillment. And yeah. So, you don't need the band aid. Yes. I see where you're going. So, even let me give you an example. Okay. So, even. Even the idea that that there is some early childhood piece missing from your parents. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a there's a therapy intervention that's just been sort of developed recently that's showing a lot of promising results. Called the um, I think it's called the ideal parent protocol or the ideal parent figure or something. But mm-hmm. basically, it lets you kind of as an adult, if you miss that piece as a child, it lets you kind of model, develop with a therapist this ideal parent figure, and then internalize that within yourself. Mm-hmm. So in those moments where you're you kind of realize that you run up against something where you didn't have the parenting to res- to now respond as an adult. You can pull on this this concept, this model of a, an internalized ideal parent figure that you've developed, and actually turn to something that's that offers what a parent should have given you when you were a child. But now you're able to do this for yourself as an adult in a way that's healing, that's constructive, wow. and that that leaves you responding to that the negative stimuli or the difficulty with much better choices that you'll feel so much more kind of whole about and well about than Hmm. you would if you turned to try to to like a pornography figure to try to meet that need. Okay. So just as an example of like one, one strategy that we use. Okay. Yeah. So you don't have to be stuck with these wounds or with these empty voids. No, but you have to find healing and other things to like, healthy, what we call adaptive coping mechanisms. This is a very maladaptive coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. This makes it worse. There are ways of, you know, we you can't take all the difficult things out of life away. No. You can't take no. them all away, but you can find ways of responding to them that leave you stronger and feeling built up that, you know, are founded on courage and, and meet, you know, are compliant with your values mm-hmm. that don't foster and feel shame. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Hopefully our foray into this subject of shame helps you understand a little better how complex these addictions can be and the need to understand the source of shame in our lives, the role it plays in creating and perpetuating, perpetrating, I should say, these kinds of addictions. Mm-hmm. Well, that is all for today. We'd like to thank those of you who became patrons. Between this recording and our previous one, we have Isaac and Levi and Emily. Thank you so much for your support, each and every one of you. 
Next week, Caleb. We're talking about marriage counseling and different approaches just to kind of inform folks about more about the work of marriage therapy. Okay. I think it's uh it's it's not so much a self help as much as an educational, like a psycho okay. episode. So I think it'll be good to do. Good. Well, that is all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash two four six. Find out how you can help. Go to oyf.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.